Hello, I'm Jared. You met my wife, Anne, a little bit ago, and some of you are here for your very first ever, Evergreen Easter. And that includes us. This is the first time we've been here at Evergreen on Easter. So our very first one. So if you're a guest with us today, uh, we share the same seniority as uh, you. Some way to treat a guest, huh? Inviting him to come and give the talk. We've been uh, here uh, getting to be a part of this great church for the last nine months, and you've uh, just been around some wonderful people. And for those of you that are guests today, we're especially thrilled to be able to celebrate Resurrection Sunday 2010 with you. In fact, today we want to take a look at what's new in Resurrection Sunday, and we want to look at 30 words out of what's called the Gospel of John and the Bible in the New Testament. Years later, after one of these 10 guys that were in a room that we're reading about today had this experience, he recorded this memory of what he had encountered. And it was the what's new with Jesus and what's new with Resurrection Sunday, and what did he bring that was brand new and fresh? In fact, if you have your Bibles, you might like to turn to John chapter 20, verses 21 and 22. Now, if you would like to look in a Bible and don't have one handy, there's one right under your chair and the chair in front of you in a rack there. And the words will also come up on the screen that you can take a look at as well. Imagine the scene now. Three days before, Jesus has been arrested. He's gone through a bogus middle-of-the-night trial. The next day, he was killed in a capital punishment, the form of death by crucifixion on a Roman cross. He was buried in a tomb. Rumor was out that he had come back to life and that the tomb was empty. But his closest followers, 10 of the 12 of them, were huddled together in a locked room, wondering what was going on. And Jesus shows up, and he says these words that we read together to them. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Three fresh things that Jesus was dying to say to his closest followers that we call the apostles. And the first of those is fresh peace. Did you notice that Jesus needed to say, Peace be to you again. That's where we started the story. He had to repeat himself. If we go back a few verses, we discover that when he first showed up, his very first words were, peace be to you. Why is he stuttering here? Well, apparently it didn't take the first time around, right? And he had to repeat himself to get their attention. And if we understand the setting by taking fast reverse and race back 2,000 years ago nearly to that scene, we can appreciate how frightened they were. In fact, they were experiencing kind of a chronic state of anxiety and worry. I mean, after all, these grown men, some of them maybe as young as in their late teens and some of them potentially as old as up into their 50s, had really left everything to follow Christ. They'd followed him, leaving temporarily families and homes, and some of them leaving permanently their professions and vocations, had ended up in the southern end of the nation around Jerusalem, and there their leader, Jesus, whom they had thrown in their entire life toward, believing that he was God's son, the promised Messiah, the Christ, and was going to bring in a whole new era of godliness and spirituality, went and got himself killed. And now what are they going to do? And will those same people that were after Jesus and killed him come after them as well? You can appreciate that they would have some anxiety going, can't you? But in the middle of that state of a lack of tranquility, Jesus does something that scared 
I was going to say scared spitless. That's probably what it was. They were scared. Chronic peak of anxiety. They had never seen this happen before. Jesus, who lived as God's son in perfect human form, they had seen him travel, they had touched him, they'd felt him, they'd seen him. In fact, in a moment, Jesus shows him the very fresh wounds of his being on a cross three days before, the spear injury in his side. He asks for food. He still demonstrates physiological characteristics of a normal human body except in his entrance. He did not bother to knock on the door and have them peek through to see who it was and undo the locks. He just materialized inside the room. I would be scared too. You know what it's like. You're a kid growing up. You have a friend or an older brother or sister who loved to kind of scare you. They'd sneak around the corner and they would hide just out of sight waiting for you to come around. You know how it worked? Come around. You did this to your younger brothers, didn't you? Come around the corner, and just before they get there, you jump out and go, boo! And you know what that feels like. There's a burst of adrenaline. It courses through our bodies, and there's this energy. It doesn't know what to do, and there's this primal fight or flight response, and our thoughts are, am I in fear? And then those thoughts resolve into, oh, I'm safe, but I'm sure mad at you. And the emotions go from fright to maybe relief or maybe anger, and we know what it's like. And that was the state that Jesus found these 10 men in after he materialized in front of them. And I guess he said, peace be to you. And I'm not surprised it didn't take. And again, he said, peace be to you. But what was so profound was that Jesus now, as the resurrected Lord, was able to say, peace be to you in a whole new way. You see, Jesus didn't just come to them to resolve their mental uh, worry. He could have just hung out with them and given that some time and said comforting words to them. He didn't just come to have the adrenaline drain out. Just hanging out with them could have done that. He didn't just come to help their emotions go from anxiety to tranquility. I mean, you can do those things by hanging out with a good friend or practicing some of the better practices of meditation. You can reduce your heart rate, change your physiology. But, oh, Jesus when he came and said, peace to you, was actually saying to them, I, as your resurrected Lord, can fundamentally change the underlying circumstances out of which anxiety and worry and a lack of peace is being generated in your life. I can change your world. And nothing would have demonstrated that more clearly than Jesus changing their world by showing up as the resurrected Lord without announcement and materializing in front of them. He was saying to them, I have come to bring the kind of peace to your life that is like the Hebrew idea of shalom, which is a broad, deep, rich idea of bringing together broken pieces into a sense of wholeness and health and integrity, peace at every level in life. Jesus said, peace be with you. So as we watched the, the video, go, uh, video of, of Erica, and just she and Shekinah were talking, and last night, along with six others or so, Erica was baptized by Shekinah. In video, the, the story, Erica says, what was her word? I freedom. I just felt free. I just let go of so much stuff 
that I had been carrying. Erica heard Jesus after an evening of texting with Shekinah. Finally, Jesus broke through by his spirit, and Erica heard her her, him saying to her, Peace, peace to you. And as she transferred her confession of sin for the forgiveness of Jesus, she said, I just felt free. My question for you is, where is it in your life today that you need Jesus' fresh peace? Maybe it's in a relationship within your marriage or with friends or with roommates or with coworkers or with kids or with parents or maybe the relationship with peace for you is with money and with work and the need for that or maybe the sense of peace for you is in your body physically. You fill in the, ga- the blank. Jesus was dying to say these words to you. Peace be to you. The second thing that Jesus died and rose to say is that he brought new purpose. Did you notice the 10-word commission right in the middle? As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Now, to these guys who were quite confused, they were in a major life transition. We've all been in those, haven't we? They're rather confusing times. We've let go of what's happened in the past. We're moving toward something of the future, but we're not real certain about it. And a time of transition often is a time of uncertainty and confusion and a time with mixed emotion. These guys were certainly in a time of transition. Things were changing in their world. And Jesus came with a sense of purpose for them and certainty. Just as the Father sent me, and I'm extending and paraphrasing a bit, Just as the Father sent Jesus into the world to bring the message of forgiveness and salvation and redemption and wholeness so that he could usher in his kingdom and individuals' lives would be transformed in a way that would influence their families and communities and world to bring what's wrong into God's rightness. Jesus is saying, I'm sending you with the same commission. Now, on one hand, that must have sounded pretty cool. I mean, that is a noble commission. Basically, he was saying to them, I'm going to send you out and you are going to be a a small group that influences radical change. And it is going to affect the world and its political and its social and its religious institutions as it affects individuals' lives spiritually. A grand commission, great purpose. (laughs) But the other side of that probably wasn't so exciting. Hey, they had done the math that had only been three days. You know what happened when Jesus got sent and where it got him, right? Got him killed. It's kind of a mixed bag. In fact, for anyone who thinks that Jesus came to be soft and cuddly, you're missing this part of the Lord Jesus, the lion that we sang about today. Oh, Jesus came to bring peace, but not necessarily a life that was not filled with a lot of excitement. When he said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you, he was speaking to guys in a locked room in the most secure, certain, known, defined environment that they could create. And he says, guys, outside that locked door is uncertainty, but that's where I'm sending you. And I am going with you. And later he said, and I'll go with you to the ends of the earth. So where is it in your life today? that you're looking for a new sense of purpose. It was a great intervention in our life just a couple of months ago when Katie Ann was born. And Ann and I, some of you know, 
are now proudly have joined the generation of grandparents. And just moments after Katie was born up in Everett, Washington, and I, she's small enough to be held in, in the palm of my hand, which is relatively large, and I'm holding this wonderful little bundle. There she is. Yes, it's just tiny little precious thing. By the way, Katie Ann is not a regular human being. They'll probably need a whole new species kind of a name for her. She's just equal to nothing that currently exists. And I'm holding this precious first grandchild. What came to mind for me was, was a Hebrew poem. We, we call it Psalm 139, where a guy named David was exclaiming about God's majesty and how he had created us and him in that case. And I'm holding Katie Ann, and I'm thinking of these words. I'll read them to you. Oh, yes, God, you shaped me first inside out, and then you formed me in my mother's womb. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. And like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth, And all the stages of my life were spread out before you, all the days, all prepared before I'd ever lived, even one day. And that psalm came to mind as I'm holding Katie, and my first grandpa prayer over her was, Oh Lord, may Katie Ann experience your plans and purposes for her life. May she be the child and the girl and the woman of your plans and dreams. May her life be one that follows you and fulfills the purpose and destiny that you have for her. That was Grandpa's prayer. But you might say, I'm older than Katie Ann. So I've gone my own way. And what does it mean for someone later in life to come into this relationship with God and engage with a sense of purpose or meaning? Have I so confused things? Have I missed my opportunity? Not at all. We know that because of a guy named Nicodemus. In our culture, we would call him Nick. He was well-educated. He was a man of means and social position and influence. He was a little embarrassed to hang out with Jesus. There was a lot of losses associated with that. And so he came secretly at night. And they had a one-on-one conversation. Nicodemus said, how is it that I can experience eternal life? The great ultimate question that all of us ask in one way or another. And Jesus said, well, Nicodemus, it works like this. You must be born again. And Nicodemus, he reacts as we would. He says, I'm too old. I mean, I'm, I'm an adult man. I cannot be born physically again. Jesus said, no, you're misunderstanding. And now I paraphrase. Nicodemus, it works like this. When you come to a relationship with God, it is as though your life is starting in a fresh way. Your physical person and personality don't have a new beginning that started at conception and birth. But your life takes on a freshness and a newness of purpose and meaning and possibility to live out those plans of God and destiny in your life from this day forward. And as far as we know, Nicodemus entered in to that relationship. And so the question for you today is, where is it in your life that you need a fresh sense of God's purpose and destiny and meaning for you? Which brings us to the third thing that Jesus died and rose to bring to us in a fresh way, and that is his new power. You notice there in the last uh, sentence that we read that 
Jesus commissioned them and then he breathed on them. I mean, just imagine it. He compressed air in his lungs and he just breathed on them. I imagine kind of a good... And then he said something to them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, until Jesus died, was buried, and came back to life and resurrection life, he was not able to bring this message to them or this message to us. And why did Jesus breathe on them? Is that kind of an odd thing to do? I mean, I watched you coming in today, and I did not see one person come up to either someone as a a new friend or someone you've known a long time and just breathe on them first. Just kind of go, that's beyond creepy, isn't it? That's just not right. But Jesus was doing something just as powerful as materializing in front of them to demonstrate that there was a power associated with the resurrection that they had not seen before. Jesus used this metaphor of wind or breath. In fact, it's related linguistically in the Greek language, pneuma. Or pneumatic is a word that we use in English to describe what happens when air is compressed and channeled and then released, and there is a tremendous pneumatic power that happens from that air. Jesus breathed on them, associating the Holy Spirit with wind. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. It was a simple message as this. Guys, I have just commissioned you to continue the extension of my ministry into the world. And you don't have a clue about how to do it. And you utterly lack the ability to do it. But I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the combination of you loving people and the Holy Spirit's power is going to get this job done. My question for you is, where is it today in your life that you are freshly inviting the fresh new power of God's Spirit? Just an illustration, an example of something that's happening here in this community of faith at Evergreen. You know, I think it was about three years ago that there was the vision to uh, provide an after-school program for some of the students and especially uh, kids uh, in junior high. And that's grown into something that's just absolutely beautiful. One of the most exciting times of the week around here for me is Wednesday afternoon when, when literally it's now well over 100 kids come. It's on its way to 200 by the end of the school year and come over after school and hang out here for five or five and a half hours. And uh, the first thing that they do is to just get to play and skateboard and, and uh, video games and just uh, some do homework, just all kinds of fun stuff going on, snacks, just love. Yeah, three, it was three out of 136 last weekend. It was just a beautiful thing down here. But the kids have outgrown. And by the time Ignite comes around, which is the service that, that older kids, uh, 9th and 10th graders join them, and then 10th, 11th and 12th graders come, and they're a part of the leadership team for that, just literally spilling out of the center down there. Kids in the hallway. And our question of how can we repurpose our limited resources in a way that will really say to these kids, we love you. It was just so fun last Wednesday because we relaunched after spring break and, and just decided to, to use all the workforce here and money here and the whole facility to say to these kids, we love you. And 85 adult roles were created and many of you signed up and participated. It was just a great thing. So the kids all come and having a great time down here. And then at 6 o'clock, all went to this end of the building, what we call the fellowship hall. They call the restaurant. And as they came inside, there were seatings for 140 diners. And at every table, there was a little bit older person or a way older person, kind of a table mentor that was there. And it was beautifully set. I mean, tablecloths, well, they weren't cloth, they were plastic, but table plastic coverings and settings and 
the kitchen crew had put together a a wonderful three-course dinner, and then another crew of servers that were bringing it out and serving it family style, and people who'd set it up, people that took it. And after the kids got done with a wonderful meal, lined up in the hallway here and came into this room, which now was completely repurposed for student service with pipe and drape walls and lights and candles and staging and chairs reconfigured. The prayer team had come an hour before and had prayed through this room, and then they stayed and they prayed during that hour and a half service. Just a wonderful, beautiful thing. In fact, one of the people on the prayer team took me aside and says, is this being videotaped? And I said, no, but would you like for it to be? And he said, yes. And I said, why? And he said, because everyone needs to see this. Everyone needs to see it. Now, I want to tell you a story that's very much about this new power thing. So last night, and she was seated right here, right where you are, sir, right there, a mom. And Ann and I had met her about two months ago. Uh, Her son, uh, 13, tall, handsome guy, beautiful, long hair. I mean, many, many of us would love to have that hair. Beautiful, just a handsome, fun guy, just a neat junior high kid. He's been coming over. And so mom came and introduced herself. She's a delightful person. And she said, I've been watching the life changes in my son this year. And I know that it's associated with him coming over here on Wednesdays after school. And I've decided to try to reconnect with my faith in God too. And so I'm going to start hanging out to see what he's experiencing. And so she began to re-explore some of her, uh, the good elements and positive elements for her of her Roman Catholic faith as a little child. And she began reconnecting with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And she began hanging out with some. And last night, her son was one of the people who was baptized in water. And mom was right here. And when he came out of the water all dripping wet, he went over. This This is a junior high kid. Comes over and hugs and kisses his mom. And later at the end of the service, as in just a moment, we'll have the opportunity here. We just, I prayed a simple prayer, and then while everyone else has their eyes closed, I just started over here, as I will in a moment, and just said, if you're saying yes to Jesus today, if this is your day to get right with God, if this is your Erica day, then just open your eyes and look at me and raise your hand, and, and I'll acknowledge you. And then on your way out, we want you to take one of these yes packets that ushers have and are at Info Central, which gives you an opportunity to kind of get started on your relationship with Jesus. And I was looking across the room, as I will in a moment, just across here, and I was acknowledging people as I worked my way across, and I got over here. And she was eyes wide open, arms straight up. This is her day to say yes to Jesus. Now, why do I tell the story? Because only God can transform a human heart. That's God's work. Without His Spirit, we just cannot get there. We can be commissioned to love in Jesus' name and accept part of our assignment to love kids, both children and students, but we can't work life change in the hearts of men and women and kids. But Jesus can. And today He says to us, Peace be with you. Purpose on your life. And power through the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus died to say. And died to rise again to bring. And today, it's your invitation to accept that from him. Let me conclude with this. It was 26 years ago this week. That little girl, Katie Ann's mom entered our family, joining her brother Jordan of 19 months. And it, for a variety of reasons, was a wonderful and traumatic week. 
And on Easter Eve, Saturday night, 26 years ago, I wrote this poem. I'd like to share it with you today, and then we're going to pray. It's called, A Brush With Life. I had a brush with life this week. 2.10 a.m., the clock affirmed, as cry broke out, confirming life. A girl, he said, the man in blue, whose smile of joy flashed through his eyes. I held her, tiny, red, quivering, as adjectives as others near floated through my head, beautiful, precious, sweet. I saw her blue eyes blinking back the glare of lights, and as hers focused on my face, mine blurred, a glaze of tears, for life is more than words can say. I cried because of life. I had a brush with death this week. He's 19 months of bounding energy, the little man in my life. The day before I bought a treat, a little sucker, just his size to say, I love you, special guy. The time was right, our dinner done. The sucker given to a beaming face that I think said, that makes me happy. Thank you, daddy. The minutes passed. Then, Conversation with guests sharply punctuated with a gasp for air that would not pass because the swallowed candy stuck and stopped the breath. Quick blows to his back in vain attempt. Arrow prayer shot to Jesus for his help. Frantic trip to fire hall. I bounded steps with every call. Paramedics help us. Their quick response and soon I held a sobbing little boy no Words can tell my joy. And later, after emergency room exam, the little boy ran, his eyes bright with energy, oblivious to his life-threatening emergency. And my eyes blurred, the tears not now from fear or fright, but joy. I cried because of life. I had a brush with eternity this week. As I held life dearly in a tiny bundle and a squirming toddler, I recalled that God so loved, He gave. Not time or money or just concern, but gave His Son. His Son? His only Son? What for? To die. To die. But why? So life that starts might be sustained not only in this time and space, but always for eternity, a loving family to be, to rule and reign. That's destiny that Jesus died to save for me and rose to life to lead the way to father and home where brushes with death will be history and brushes with life full-blown eternity. No wonder heaven is filled for joy when one returns for life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for loving us. And Jesus, thank you for coming as God's Son to earth to die for us. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for your power that brought Jesus back from the dead and Oh, thank you, Lord, for being alive today and bringing your peace and your purpose and your power. 
through forgiveness in your name. And today we simply open hands and hearts and reach out like anyone would to graciously receive a gift extended. And we say, thank you. I receive you. This is a prayer that some of us are praying in our hearts. I know that I've sinned. I know that I'm distant from you. I need your forgiveness. I receive forgiveness from you, Jesus. I need purpose and meaning in my life. Your plans for me, not my own. I receive your destiny. And I receive the gift of your Holy Spirit. I can't live your life without your power. I receive you in fresh fullness of your life today. I receive you today, God, in Jesus' name. And as I promised with others still having their eyes closed, I'm opening mine because I want to connect with those of you like Erica that are saying, this is my day. She fell to her knees. Today, what I'm going to ask you to do is just open your eyes and look at me. Lift your hand so I can see you and let me acknowledge your decision to say yes for Jesus. I'm off to your right. Open eyes and hands lifted. I'll interpret as that. I don't see as well as I'd like. So make sure that with your hand, kind of wave at me if I miss you. I see you. That's why your eyes are open. I see you. God bless you, both of you. Best Resurrection Sunday of your life. I see eyes back here. Why your hands? Okay, thank you. Best decision of your life. I see a hand here. I'm coming over to the center section just to your right, and I see you. God bless you. Yes, best decision of your life. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God bless you. Any other hands in this section or in the back? I'm moving now to the center to your left, and I see you. Yes, hands up strong, high, and proud. God bless you. As a family, the best Easter of your life in deciding together that you're going to live your lives for Jesus. In Jesus' name, welcome to his family. Walking across for others with your hands raised here. Now I'm moving to the section on your left. Looking quickly across it now. Don't let me miss you. Looking for eyes and a hand that waves at me. And now immediately to my uh, to your left. Oh, today, Lord, we say thank you for new brothers and sisters in Christ. And may this week be filled, Lord, with your peace and your purpose and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, welcome. So, oh, what a great, great Easter. I text our kids, uh, two by marriage and two by uh, biology. And, and uh, this weekend I sent them a text, which is like, I'm crazy proud of you. I love you. So glad you're following the risen one in your life, dad. You know, that kind of a thing. But for six months, I texted my son-in-law, and he never responded. Never. Not once. And I thought, well, tough. He's still going to get texts from me. And, uh, you know, he's a cop. He's a macho guy. Maybe he doesn't have to text his father-in-law. I don't care. I was here first. So I'm just texting him away. He's getting texts from me. Six months later, I get a response. Very cool. It shows up from Raleigh. And me, finally came through. What does the boy have to say? This was the text. I have no idea who you are. But you sound like a really nice guy, and I've enjoyed all of your texts. (laughs) Sounds like you're someone's father-in-law, and if I ever need one of those, I want one like you. (laughs) 
<laughs> Aren't you glad when God wanted to connect with you? He didn't text, tweet, or write on your wall. He sent Jesus. That's who we celebrate this weekend. Yeah.